It is our privilege and joy. I know I say that often on Sunday mornings, but it truly is that, a privilege and a joy, also perhaps a holy obligation as well as opportunity to come before the Lord to worship and to come together as God's people. As we gather, let me extend a warm greeting and word of appreciation today to my friend and colleague in ministry, Jim Rao. Jim is going to be delivering the Lord's um, word to us in the message this morning. I've heard it once and it's magnificent, but I do expect it to be a little bit better because you've had some practice now. That works out okay. Jim has had a long and distinguished career in ministry here in San Diego Presbytery, and he's actually never gone anywhere else because he told me one time that he's found plenty of sinners right here in San Diego to do his work. So Jim, it's great to have you with us as well as your family. Friends, let us call ourselves together to worship knowing that the Lord is with us as we read responsively from the 100th Psalm. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Let us worship God. We invite you to lift your hearts in praise to God as we sing when morning gilds the sky. Sometimes we great, take great pleasure in figuring out what everybody else has done wrong, what kind of sin is in their lives. But we know that scripture tells us that all have sinned, that all fall short of the glory of God and need forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We need it every single day. And yet God invites us so graciously to come and to confess our sins. Would you please join me as together we pray the prayer of confession as printed in the bulletin. 
Holy One, we call to you and name you as eternal, ever-present, and boundless in love. Yet there are times, O God, when we fail to recognize you in the dailiness of our lives. Sometimes shame clenches tightly around our hearts and we hide our true feelings. Sometimes fear makes us small and we miss the chance to speak from our strength. Holy God, in the daily round from sunrise to sunset, remind us again of your holy presence hovering near us and in us. Free us from shame and self-doubt. Help us to see you in the moment-by-moment possibilities to live honestly, to act courageously, and to speak from your wisdom in Christ. Amen. Hear now these words of assurance. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. Be at peace and grateful because in Christ Jesus, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Now may the peace of Christ be with you. Take that peace out into the world and spread it around. People need to know that peace that comes from Christ. I'm very excited I get to do the moment for mission and kingdom life, so I want to invite up Greg Angel. Greg is the CEO of Interfaith Community Services, and as he's coming, just a few short things. We have Bibles, Bibles are back, along with the donuts, by the way. So um, Bibles are out by the deacon table, and they are for you to take if you do not have one, or if you know someone who needs a Bible, they're supplied by the deacons. We really encourage you, go out to the deacon table and grab a Bible. We're still looking for backpacks. Thanks be to God, missions gave $3,000 so that we're well over 100 of the backpacks that we need. They're about $30 to get a backpack and everything in them. If you are not a shopper, then go ahead and just write a little check and we'll do the shopping for, well, somebody will do the shopping for you and we'll get those backpacks out there. Also, concert on the green exactly one week from today. Dante, who is behind me, it is his jazz band that is coming to play for us right out on the lawn, Concert on the Green. We encourage you to come at five o'clock, bring a picnic, bring your friends. It's a delightful time, and it's just right across from the end, so you can't miss it. And then the last thing is our beach barbecue. So three Bs and a C. Feels like college to me. But the, the, the last B is for our branch barbecue, which we feed those who are without shelter down at Mission Bay. You will need gloves, you will need a mask, we will supply those if you don't have them, but come and minister. Now, let's hear a good word from our friend Greg. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, Jan. Thank you to uh, this amazing church, this amazing congregation for all that you do. Your support of the Homeless Veterans Initiative at Interfaith Community Services helps veterans who are experiencing homelessness to be able to not just move out of the streets and into a home of their own, but you provide all the furnishings to make that apartment truly a home. From the bed, to the dresser, to the pots and pans in the kitchen, to the, the dishes that uh, uh, they use to, um, to nourish. I wanna share today who you're helping. Because next month, uh, this congregation will begin your fundraising drive for the Homeless Veterans Initiative again on the second uh, Sunday of next month, as I understand it. And uh, those dollars given will go to help veterans like the veteran I'm about to tell you about. Two years ago, in May of 2019, Martin, then 68 years old, was on life support. His heart was failing him, and he was in the intensive care unit at the VA hospital for three weeks. He made it through that ordeal, um, but in his recovery, he suffered another major medical setback. And by February of 2020, Martin and his wife, Maria, wife of 37 years, were homeless in our community. That's where you helped, because they came to Interfaith Community Services, and you helped Martin and Maria secure critical disability income. Uh, you then helped them, well, before that, you helped them stabilize and get into shelter. And then you helped them in June of 2020, amid global pandemic, you helped them end their homelessness and move into an apartment home of their own, which you helped furnish. Martin is among more than 700 veterans who you helped at Interfaith Community Services this last year. 
with housing, employment, job training, uh, counseling, therapy. Amid COVID, the needs have gotten greater. And thanks to your support, you've also helped with the renovations of what will become a new recuperative care center in Escondido. So when veterans like Martin are discharged out of hospitals, they don't have to go to homelessness. They can get care and support to move forward in their lives. You're changing and saving lives on a daily basis. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Greg, stay right there. I'll just bring This past year, we were able to give over $70,000, well, you all, because of what you gave, $70,000 to help our homeless veterans. I just want to thank you and say a prayer for you. Gracious God, I thank you for Greg, for your call upon his life, Lord, for this holy man that really is making a difference in so many lives. Bless Interfaith Community Services. Bless this congregation. May they continue to be generous as we help those who have served our country so faithfully and just need some help to be sheltered, Lord, and to be on their way. So bless Greg and the work, and then bless this congregation as September the 12th, we launch our annual Homeless Veteran Initiative. In Christ's name, amen. Greg will be out at the mission table after the service. I encourage you to grab a donut and go talk with him. I'm not a warrior, I'm too afraid to lose. I feel unqualified for what you called me to do. But Lord, with your strength, I've got no excuse. Cause broken people love exactly who you use. So give me faith like Daniel. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, in whom we live and move and have our being, because of your everlasting love for us, we dare to come before you in prayer to hear your ancient and yet always new word to us 
and to speak to you from the deepest places of our hearts and lives. Help us to listen and to speak, first in these few moments of silence. O loving Creator, we confess that the trouble and sorrow of life so easily dominates our thoughts when we come to you. Some of us grieve the death of loved ones or struggle with the challenge of caring for aged parents, or we ourselves are lost trying to help adult children who have lost their way. Some of us struggle to keep up with all the changes of life. Others cannot find a way to mend broken relationships, and still others don't know how we'll pay this month's bills. We look around us and find heartbreak in the victims of earthquake in Haiti, flood in Japan, and the rise again of oppression and darkness in Afghanistan. We lay these many concerns before you, Lord, knowing that they grieve your heart as well, and we cry out for help, for healing, for comfort. May you empower people of goodwill and strong conscience to stand by the suffering and to do the hard work of building just and free societies. O redeeming Lord, who died for our sin and who calls us to new life, We need your saving grace every day. Save us from resignation to the sin of our world and within our own hearts. Save us from giving up on ourselves or others or this troubled world. Save us from seeing only the evil around and not also the evil within us. Save us from thinking that only we can save ourselves or that you will not help as we call out to you. Save us so that we become people filled with the knowledge of your renewing presence right here, right now, and forever. We pray together now in the way that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay The last thing I need is to be heard But to hear when you would say Word of God speak When you poured out Washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place. Just let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Finding myself in the midst of you 
beyond the music, beyond the noise. All that I need is to be with you. And in the quiet, hear your voice, word of God speak. When you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in his place. Please let me say rest in your holy Scripture lessons are from the book of Ecclesiastes and also Paul's letter to the Colossians. I have a slightly different translation than that in your bulletin. But here now, oh, we stand for the word of God. So please stand if you would and let's hear God's word. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 2 verse 17. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work, his pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This, too, is meaningless. Here ends the reading. And now Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for other people, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. Well, I do appreciate the invitation to come and proclaim the word of God here. I'm blessed to have colleagues in ministry, Jack and Jan and Neil, and very blessed by the hospitality of this congregation over the years. Uh, I've eaten my fair share of donut holes as I've gathered here on Sunday mornings uh, recently. And our daughter uh, was married here in your sanctuary a little more than 10 years ago. Our sanctuary at Escondido was not large enough for that epic event. So anyway, we do appreciate the hospitality this congregation has extended to me and my family. Thank you. Well, I'm speaking on a topic today that is one I've been wrestling with recently, and that is the topic of work. And I've been wrestling with this topic because uh, a few years ago, I heard very clearly God uh, telling me it was time to end my uh, work at the congregation that I had served for over 21 years. And I was to wait for what God would show me to do next. 
It was quite a shock to my system when I made that resignation. I had been continuously employed since I was 15 years old. And uh, it was, I didn't feel how I thought I would feel. There was both a loss and a grief of letting go of something, but there was also an anticipation of a new birth. Well, a little after that, I started an interim position. I did that for about two years, uh, continuing in Presbyterian ministry in that form. Uh, but now at 61 years of age, I'm not sure if I am uh, retired or just between jobs. But what I realized is that even when I stopped working in an employed status, I continued to work, and frankly, I continued to work very hard. I did a complete bathroom remodel, including a lot of tile work that I will say came out pretty good if, in my own humble opinion. I uh, built a patio at my daughter and son-in-law's house. Uh, my uh, father, who's 88, has a lot of health challenges, and so I've been managing all of his finances and all of his taxes, which is a, it's a pretty complicated and large job to do. And then I've got five sisters that are all in that family of origin constellation, and kind of working in that environment has its own challenges. I serve as chair of the Presbytery of San Diego Budget, Property, and Finance Committee, a job almost as exciting as the title. Um, I prepare and preach sermons at various churches. I do a lot of child care for uh, my uh, grandchildren, one of whom is seven years old and has been on hospice care for a couple of years. So there's a whole story there that I can't go into, but that family needs a lot of attention and care. Um, so even if you can pay people to do things for you, there's always work to be done, it seems. So if I'm retired, I'm not feeling quite how I expected, and I'm not complaining. I feel very fortunate that I don't have that same relentless demand for a paycheck, if you will, but nevertheless, I'm still working. And I suspect many of you are as well in various diverse and interesting ways. I think all of us, no matter who we are, have a profound relationship with our work. What we do with our minds, our bodies, our hands says a lot about who we are and what we value. Amen? It's true. Yeah. And in case you're wondering, my wife is still employed, working part-time from home. Uh, my financial planning software says she could stop working anytime. She doesn't have to, but she continues to work and seems to enjoy it most of the time. So we'll see what happens on her calling from God along life's journey. Well, today we're going to talk about the goodness of work, the curse upon work, and the redemption of work. That's where we're going. First, have you noticed how we have a kind of love-hate relationship with work? You see it on these bumper stickers. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Kind of a mixed message there. I've seen the one you have too. A, 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 a bad day fishing is better than a good day working, right? Um, and then I saw one. I had a life, but my job ate it. I thought, boy, that's kind of deep when you think about it. And then the country song many years ago, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. And so many people long for a day when they can retire, only to find that after retirement, they feel a little bored, a little restless, and they need stuff to do. And so, of course, there are sayings about the positive elements of work. How many of you have heard that saying, idleness is the devil's workshop? Behind that is the idea that if you have nothing to do, it could be a very bad thing for you. And we see that in scripture, the story of King David, right? He's supposed to be off at war with the, all the other kings are off at war in the springtime and he's lounging around the castle without anything to do. And that's when he gets into a mess and commits the evil deed with Bathsheba. So we know from scripture and from life 
that it's not good to have nothing to do. So when we think about work, there's something good about it, but there are also challenges to it, right? And this goes back to the goodness of work. In Genesis chapter 2, we're told in Genesis 2, 2, the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. The words there tell us that who works? God works. God is part of the divine activity. We often think about work as something humans do while God just hangs out in heaven and kicks back, right? But that's um, not a biblical view of God or of work. And then after God works and makes things, he makes the humans. And it says he put the man in the garden to work it and keep it. So God creates, God works, and then he gives the task to humans. You also will work and create. And that's a good thing. He pronounces it all good. But what happens next? Well, the humans sin, and then bad things come out of that. There is a curse that is given to the woman. Uh, that is, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing, Genesis 2, 6. With pain you will give birth to children. To the curse on the man, cursed is the ground. Uh, painful toil you will have Thorns and thistles will grow when you plant your crops. Well, work takes a big downturn at this point. The curse on the woman is pain in childbirth. Interesting for us to note that the birthing process is often referred to as labor, which is another word for work, right? Um, and uh, uh, we, uh, of course, know that labor is a lot of work. Uh, I've been near it when it's happening, and it seems like a lot of work, right? And then for the guy, it's, well, that was easy, right? But for the woman, it's a lot of work. And not only that, there's pain associated with it, great pain. The man is still going to work, but his work is going to be twisted, if you will. He's going to work hard for results over here, and then the opposite thing is going to happen over here. And oftentimes we know this describes what work is like in life. A couple of examples, right? I'm running a new gas line because I'm putting in a whole new fireplace and rearranging things in the living room and worked hard getting all these pipes and threaded, putting them all together, moving the gas line, all these connections, took hours. And then I pressure tested it and there's a leak way back at the beginning of the whole thing. I have to disassemble it all, redo, put it all back together. I got it working, praise the Lord. But it seemed like so much wasted time and effort and a lot of things go like that. But that's just a trivial example, right? Harder still is when you work for years and years to develop a business or a client base or a, or a learning base for your vocation only to be laid off or downsized or hit with a frivolous lawsuit or told that your industry is being outsourced. Look at how many people lost their businesses during the COVID lockdowns. So much heartache and frustration and even despair over working so hard for things and then seeing them disappear, if you will. Harder still, I think, of police working hard to serve their communities, then being, uh, having things thrown at them and being spit at and being called names. That's hard. My neighbor, he's worked in combat in the Marine Corps and, and uh, in the Middle East, and I, uh, he, I was talking to him yesterday, and it's so painful to see what's happening in Afghanistan now after so much hard work and sacrifice has been made. And then even pastors, we're not immune. Uh, so many pastors I know, they work hard. They preach the word. They love the people. They do their best to lead. And then people come, oh, I'm leaving the church. It just didn't meet my expectations. And it's heartbreaking for pastors to go through that. So Genesis really helps us to make sense of work. The goodness of work, we all want meaningful things to do. But then the pain of work, we try this and 
other things happen, and there's a lot of pain associated with it. So then when you look at Ecclesiastes, the writer there is really summing things up about the downside of work. I hated life. The work that is done under the sun is grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after wind, right? Pain, grief, at night your mind won't rest. This too is meaningless, the writer tells us. Well, Pastor Jim, is there any good news for us today? Yes, yes, there is good news. Jesus, in his teaching the disciples in John chapter 15, he gives them this promise, this bedrock reality for the life of discipleship. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, what the Bible is teaching us in many ways is that when we connect with Jesus Christ, as we live in union with him, as we follow him, as we seek to serve him, there will be a kind of fruitfulness to our lives. And all of our work and labor takes on a new meaning. Jesus Christ gives the promise that he will use our lives and our activity, our work, to bring his grace into the world. And I don't believe we're aware of the ways that God is using our work to bless others. A lot of times that is hidden from us. But by faith, we trust the Lord's promise. And I know this sounds kind of fluffy and fuzzy, but I believe it really frames our understanding of work in the Christian life. Now, if your goal in your work is simply about making money or impressing others or advancing your own ego or getting ahead of others or whatever, then it will be meaningless, as the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us. It will come to nothing. No matter how much money or success you achieve, it will be chasing after wind. You'll try to grab it, and it will slip through your fingers. But if your goal in your work is toward godly ends, providing for yourself and your family, serving your fellow human beings with honest and hard labor, creating uh, products or businesses or artistic creations as our musicians have done today that help other people using your talents and gifts for building up the body of Christ adding value to the community where God has placed you being used by God wherever you go well then there will be a kind of fruitfulness your life will have as you serve the Lord in whatever vocation he has given you. That was a big hallmark of the Reformation. It's not just the clergy who have a calling from God, but each and every person who's a follower of Jesus is called by God to say, how will you use me today, O Lord? But the key question, it's the linchpin for all of this, is for whom are you working? Or who are you working for? Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not just for other people. You will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Wow. I, I have a bumper sticker on my guitar case that says my boss is a Jewish carpenter. And I think... You know, that's an important thing to think about. Who's your boss? Who are you serving? Who are you working for? The calling in this text is for us to see all of our work as serving not human beings, but the Lord Jesus himself. That shapes our work that we do here on earth. And that was Paul's counsel to slaves, to indentured servants. So you may have a job you don't like and a supervisor you don't like very much. And you may need to change jobs. That happens from time to time in life. But whatever you do, Paul says, you work as if serving the Lord, not humans. And there's a promise. Your reward 
is with the Lord. And it may come in a mysterious way after your earthly life comes to a conclusion. And I think if you receive this teaching from God, it changes everything about the work that you do, whatever it looks like. Think about what this verse means. If you're doing caring for children, you're a mom or dad, and you're making lunches and driving them to here and there and helping with homework, whatever stuff you're doing, taking care of kids is a big job. And then they say, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Maybe not, maybe not till they're older, right? Maybe never, but that's okay because you're not working for your kids, you're working for the Lord and the Lord sees your work. And this is important, especially as you are getting into the final third or quarter of your life that a lot of you will be unwillingly called into the role of caregiving. Not something you expected, but your aging parents may need you more now than ever before. Your spouse or your close friend may have a major downturn in their health and you need to help them. Your uh, grandchildren may need more care than you expected at this stage of their lives. You may be providing more financial support, more administrative support, more emotional support, more transportation support, even more basic health care than you ever expected. A lot of that just can't be farmed out. You're there. You're the one who needs to do it. And the Lord may be calling you to do it. So when I go to my kid's house, right? It's tough. They got a seven-year-old with tremendous health care needs and a lot of time and energy and attention just goes to taking care of her. And then she's got a little brother that he's running all around and all this and I can show up and I don't say, well, I am an ordained Presbyterian minister. I have a master divinity degree. I do not pick up after the Labrador retriever, right? No. It's something I can do. I get my grandson, we're going on a treasure hunt in the backyard. You find him and I'll get the pooper scooper and pick him up, okay? Because my identity is not my work. Your identity, if you're a Christ follower, is not your work. Paul says, you're not a slave. You're not an engineer. You're not a doctor. You're not this. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus first and foremost. And so that gives you great flexibility to serve him in all kinds of different ways. And especially we need to know this as we reach the final time of life where you may feel that your strength is gone, your mental ability is fading, and you're of no use to anyone. And people, all the time I come and visit them at the skilled nursing facility, Pastor Jim, I don't know why the Lord doesn't take me home. I keep telling him to take me and he's kept me here and it's... And I say, until you take your final breath, the Lord has a reason for you to be here. Trust that. Because you are a human being first and a human, human doing second. Your identity is who you are in Christ. And I can't tell you how many funerals I do in the hospice. People come and say, that person touched me more in the last month or two of life than I could express in words just by who they were. So wherever you are in life, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if serving the Lord, not other people. And you will receive a great reward because it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Amen. You say love is just a word, just four letters in a row, just that thing that people say, or they never tell you so, and you use every excuse to let nobody in. Now that cloud you bring around has become your only friend. And everybody's saying that it's gonna go away, but it won't go. And everybody's telling you one day it's gonna change, but you don't know if it's really gonna end. But there is a way, there is a spot, there is a hope that you can hold on to. There is a lifeline, come to the rescue, just like a hand.
Let us affirm our faith then in the ancient words of the Second Helvetic Confession. Join me. For we teach that truly good works grow out of a living faith by the Holy Spirit and are done by the faithful according to the will or rule of God's word. Good works are done for the glory of God, to adorn our calling, to show gratitude to God, and for the profit of the neighbor. For our Lord says in the gospel, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And the apostle Paul says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Commitment, holy, holy, holy.
Each day is an opportunity for us to say to God, how will you use me today? What would you have me do, Lord? And then to lead where, to follow where the Lord leads us. Uh, may the love of the Lord Jesus draw us to himself. May the power of the Lord Jesus strengthen us in his service. May the joy of the Lord Jesus fill our souls. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and abide with you now and forevermore. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.